Yeah, we're right. Okay. So what I want to share tonight, I want to share a message for you, and it's called Worship and Warfare. Worship and Warfare. And uh, I want to help you understand we've got new people here tonight. And so some of these things may be a little new to you. And uh, because we tend to think just in terms of just uh, music and a meeting and so on. I want to lift your vision to see something beyond what you've seen before. And uh, so uh, we've all gone through a season where there's been uh, a global shift. There have been a couple of global shifts. One took place in 9-11 and the fear level in the world was raised quite a measure. And it's remained raised. Uh, for many years and the world began to change instead of it being a safe place people become aware actually stuff can happen anywhere at any time unexpectedly and then more recently we've had this uh, we had the SARS outbreak and then followed by the COVID outbreak and the COVID outbreak is quite a shocker really because what it's done is it's shown how quickly your world can change that what you thought was stable what you thought was settled can quickly change and so that tells us then again we're entering a new season uh, God gives us these little heads up so you can say, hey, look, this is not just, hey, something that happened and now we get over it and let's get on. It's actually a heads up as we come towards the end times. There are many changes going to take place and we will need to be people of faith, people who lean into God, people who know how to get hold of God because he says in the book of Hebrews that he says everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And we haven't even seen the shaking yet. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And the reason for it is in order that that which cannot be shaken will remain. We therefore receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us hold fast to grace whereby we might serve God acceptably. In other words, what it's saying is that everything will shake up, but the kingdom we're a part of is unshakable because it's built on a person who's unshakable, Jesus Christ. And we need to then make it a pursuit to take hold of God so that in the seasons of change, yeah. we remain stable instead of fearful. Yeah. People get fearful. We'll touch on that a bit on Sunday. So let me just then talk about, first of all, about the connection between worship and warfare. Firstly, every believer is called to be a worshiper. Every believer is called to be a worshiper. In, uh, in um, uh, John uh, chapter 4, verse 23 to 24, it says, The hour is coming, and now is when true worshippers... So there's true worshippers and there's performers. True worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So notice that it tells us then that God is seeking something. There's only two things that tells us in the Bible God's seeking. He is seeking worshippers, true worshippers. He's also seeking uh, people whose heart is loyal towards him, that he might show himself strong on their behalf. So God is seeking. That means he's looking. He is proactively looking for people with a certain quality. It is not your gifting. It is not your education. It's not your finances. It's not your background. It's got nothing to do with any of those things. It has totally to do with your heart. Your heart and your heart attitude to God, a heart that wants to be a worshiper, having a worshiping heart, having a loyal heart. And so you notice there it says true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So the worship God requires is not just songs and, and actions. The worship God is requiring comes from our heart or spirit, comes from the deepest part of our innermost being. And it's with tr in, in spirit and truth. The word truth means without concealing. That means you're authentic. When you're concealing something, you're not authentic. God is looking for people who are authentic, who are genuine. 
That's one of the differences between, uh, if we ask the, ask the question before, what's the difference between a worshipper and a performer? See, and which are you? A worshipper or a performer, see? So uh, the difference is what audience you're playing for. That's really the difference, what audience you're playing for. Whose approval are you looking for? If you're looking for the approval of people, you're a performer. And your reward is here and now. They smile, say, that was great. Good on you. Well done. And you feel puffed up for a moment, and then you've got to get up and get the same thing happening because there's no end to that need. See? But if we're a true worshipper, then our, our only one we're seeking the approval of is God himself. And God who looks on the heart, sees everything you do in secret, sees all the sacrifice you make, sees every little thing. The leaders and people may not acknowledge you, they may not notice things, and God sometimes sets it up that that doesn't happen, just to check whether you're after people's approval or whether you're after to serve Him. He sees everything. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 16, Lo, I come and my reward is with me to give every man according to his work. So in other words, in the coming kingdom of the Lord, He will reward, He will acknowledge what you did in secret. So it's not about your position or your title. It's not about uh, what role you have or job you have. It's about your heart and how you serve him. And he calls for you to be a worshiper, a true worshiper. A true worshiper worships from their heart, from the depths of their innermost being. They have a desire to please God. See, the desire is primarily to please him. So it's not about whether I'm good or not good. Because God, you have a look at the mistakes in men that God overlooked. They're, they're, they're horrendous. All of the men in the Bible, all the great men of the Bible, you start to think of them and you think of what they did. Abraham lied about his wife. He was so full of fear of the king of, king of Egypt. He lied about his wife, told us he was his sister. And yet God says, this is my friend. You think about Moses and Moses killed a guy and ran away. And yet God loved him and raised him up. He called him a man of faith. You think of Samson who failed miserably in some respects with Delilah. And yet God lists him as a man of faith. So when we look at people, we look at all the glitches uh, that they have in their life and write them off. We look at all the giftings and think they're marvelous. God looks at neither. He looks at the heart. Yeah. Very good. And he sees whether there's a heart of faith and a desire to please him. You cannot conceal from him your heart condition. 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says, Man looks on the, outer part, the outward side or the outer appearances. God looks on the heart. So if you've got to know people, you've got to know them from the heart. Have they got a pure heart? Have they got a heart that worships? Or are they a performer? If you're a performer, you won't last this next season, I can tell you now. Because your desire will be for the approval of people, and you will then do everything to be seen by people, and you'll create problems in the team. God's wanting to build true worshipers that love Him, and whether you've got a position or a rank or anything, doesn't matter, you still worship Him. So if the only time you worship Him is on Sunday when you're on the platform, you're not a true worshiper at all, you're a performer. But if you're a worshiper every day in secret, then when you're on the platform, you carry something different that everyone can see because you've been in his presence. And if you're not on the platform, you're not worried because it doesn't really count. You're a true worshiper anyway. Mm -hmm. So you've got to see that. See, this is how this really works. People get so frustrated. <clears throat> they don't understand that God promotes us. So if, if you want God to promote you and lift you up and enlarge you, then, and some of it takes place in this life, some of it takes place in the eternal kingdom. But if I want God to promote me, I've got to fulfill God's conditions. The first thing is true worshipper. So the first thing then, every believer is called to be a true worshipper. Worship in spirit from your heart, 
to give yourself to the best of your ability to be a lover of God and learn about loving him. And to learn about loving him is you've got to apply yourself to get to know him. So if you want to be a true worshiper, look past being on the platform singing or playing. Begin to think of building a life where I have a hunger to know God, have a hunger to know what he is like as a person. Here's a couple of things. If you want to know someone, what do they like? What don't they like? Do the things they like and they'll like you. Do the things they don't like and they'll feel an aversion to you. That's not rocket science, is it? So what does God like? Well, you have to search the Bible. I'm not going to tell you all that. You've got to hunger for yourself. You've got to find what does he like. If you're really a lover of God, start to ask the question, God, what do you like? What will please you? That's what, that's what made David great. David said, God says of David, he said in Acts 13, verse 22, he said, I found a man after my own heart. He said, in other words, I've been looking. I've been looking for the right guy. And here's the right guy. Everyone else wrote him off because of where he came from. But this is my man. His brothers so wrote him off, they didn't even invite him to when the prophet was trying to find a king. He was so written off by everyone because of the question mark about his birth. And he was just doing the, the dog's job out there looking after the sheep. But God said, I found, I've been looking. I've been looking and I have found someone. And what was I looking for? He said, I found a man after my heart. What that means simply is a man who seeks to please me, to find out what I want and then do what I want, not do what they want. That was Saul's trouble. Okay, we're going to stay on target. Okay, so everyone's called to be a worshiper. You're called to be a worshiper. Are you a worshiper or a performer? Over time, it's obvious. It's not always obvious at the beginning, but it does become obvious over time, the fruit of your life and ministry. Okay, second thing is, every person, every believer is called to warfare. Here's the thing, when you got born into the kingdom of God, you were born into a battle, and you were put on a side. You were taken out of one kingdom, put in another, so that put you in a warfare, even if you didn't want to be in the warfare. Now, if you're in the middle of a war, you can't say, bags out. (laughs) (laughs) Not my problem. I'm sorry, you can't do that. You're in the war. It's a spiritual war. That means you're warring against unseen spirit beings who have a goal and an objective to destroy and neutralize all that you do, to wreck everything in your life, to undermine you, to put you in a cave of defeat, to addict you, to, to, to cause you to go into some kinds of sins and problems. And if you're in a ministry role, to take you out of your ministry. So if you are a believer and you've been a regular church attender, then the key focus of the strategy will be to separate your relationships, divide you from where God's connected you, and sabotage your ability to function in your role. That's, good. that's, how, that's what it does. So, so here's a scripture there in 2 Timothy 2, verse 3 to 4. It says here, You must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, for no one engaged in warfare entangles himself in the affairs of this life, so he may please him who listed him to be a soldier. So notice, pleasing God, that's a worshiper, listed by God to be a soldier. That means you've got to be, you know, tough it up, man. Can you imagine going into the army and you're enrolled in the army and they wake you up in the morning, it's time to get up to exercise, and they say, nah, I'm sleeping in today. <laughs> no, no, I can't make the training. Sorry. No, no, you'll get bawled out for something like that, for sure. You know, or in the heat of the battle, when there's a bit of pressure on, the leaves are under fire and things are going down and there's troubles and struggles. And you think, I'm out of here. It's called AWOL, absent without leave. That's, they get shot for doing that in a war. 
So if they get shot for doing that in a war, why would you think God would consider that not serious in the war we're in? Think about it. Over the years, I've seen people go AWOL. They just abandon their posts when they should be standing with the rest of the army when they're most needed. Because when someone has got a responsibility and they abandon their post, there's now a vacancy. There's a hole in the ranks. And others who are already carrying their weight now have to take on more in order to fill the gap. So it wasn't all about you. Your absence then pressured everyone else. That's what it is. And, and it's always considered to be a serious offence to be absent without leave or to just leave the battlefront in the heat of the battle. They shoot them for doing that. Just, just saying. <laughs> so just because someone didn't shoot you because you abandoned your post doesn't mean God didn't keep a note of it. Good. It's true. He watches everything. I can remember challenges I've had over the years, but here's one of the early ones I faced. And it was whether I would abandon my post in the battle. How about that? And I had been uh, asked by the pastor of the church to uh, start up a Christian school. And uh, so I, I prayed about it and felt the Lord say, yes, this is what I'm called you to now. And uh, the, the, the indicators were all there to go ahead. So I went ahead because the Lord had spoken to me to do this. I waited for a word from God. So then I laid down my career, laid down a wage. We're a young family. I went from um, to about one quarter of the wage I was on. So it was highly sacrificial to do this. We started up a school and I had to work very hard because I, I had to do the principal of the school. I had to teach and do it, lots of things. So beginning, starting up a school is a very tricky business. There's a lot to do in it. And we not only that, it was a Christian school. And so we had a lot of pressure from the education department. We had a war going on. And uh, anyway, we started this Christian school up. And, uh, and then that was in May. And then in, uh, I think, October, November, the pastor announced he was leaving the church and going to start a church somewhere else. I didn't realize then he was having an affair with one of the staff. His wife had discovered it. Now, instead of doing things right, instead of being an honorable withdrawal, he's now just running away because his wife's put the pressure on him. And so I'm faced with, I gave my life up and career up to put myself in this position. And now the, the guy I was following has just abandoned the ship. And we had no one leading the church at that time. It was left unled. And I remember having to make a decision because everything in me wanted to just leave. Everything in me wanted to leave. And I remember thinking, uh, I just going before the Lord. And you see, there's some decisions are really very big ones and some are not very big at all. It's hard to sometimes tell. But later on, you can tell. And, and I made a decision. I said, Lord, we started the school in your name. We started the only Christian school in town to represent you and honor you. If I walk out now, then your name will be dishonored. So I said, no matter what the cost, I will commit to stay here and not walk away and bring dishonor on what you've done. The possibility would be they may not have been able to replace me and they'd have had to close the school. But I remember the, the, the struggle to hold my rank, to stay in position. 
And I think that a decision like that to honor God, when no one sees you and everything is to lead you another way, is something God never, never forgets. And it becomes then a stepping stone for a future promotion and enlargement. You've just got to see it. When others run, don't you follow the crowd. You hold where God plays. I came to this conclusion. I'm not here because of some person. I'm here because God put me here. And if God put me here, then I'll honor his call and honor his name. And I refuse to do anything that would bring reproach on his name. And when you honor God like that, you're doing it for him, not for anyone. And we had some very difficult days, very dark days. But however, nevertheless, that's all behind me now. God's lifted me up, you know. So people want to be lifted up, but they don't understand the journey to get there. Okay, then. Now, the Old Testament battle. So we're just going to focus tonight. I want to focus on the warfare part. And I'm giving you little insights by stories of the warfare pressure. But I want to just talk around the warfare and some key requirements, some key principles about the battle that you're in. Now, this warfare affects us very deeply as a church. This church, a little bit different to the other churches. When I came here into the town, the town was absolutely and totally dead. And uh, really honor Bruce. Bruce is with us. Uh, Bruce Arnold came up and Bruce uh, gave up his job sacrificially and came and stood with us, uh, with his wife and, and children. They gave up a great career and he came and just uh, took up a very simple job, took an act of faith, and he stood with us to help us build here. And because of what he did and what we did together. Thousands upon thousands, hundreds of thousands of lives have been affected around the world. So you see, it, there's, there's little things that really count. So we have to understand that. There's, there's certain things that people do that make the difference. And you don't know that that thing you did may have made all the difference to the team, but it'll certainly make a difference to your life because God never forgets. So the Old Testament battles teach us about spiritual warfare. So in the Old Testament, there were many natural battles. So you see Israel and they had to go in and God took them out of Egypt, which is a prophetic picture of us being saved, coming out of, um, uh, of our life of sin and out of bondage. And then he took them through a wilderness, which is a picture of us being prepared for the promises God has. All of us are in a preparation process. And then he had the promised land, which was a, uh, the, the, the realm of promises of God, promises financially, promises about your marriage, about relation, all these promises God has got in his word. And so so the, the, the story is to teach us about that. So I'm going to take one battle of the Old Testament. They could take lots, but I've taken this one because it has particularly to do with the connection of worship and warfare. So here it is here. It's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. And Jehoshaphat is surrounded by armies. He is utterly outnumbered, utterly overwhelmed, which is you and I when we face pressures in life, which are huge and nearly you feel like they're crushing you. You feel like you're dying under them. He says, and this is what he did. They came together and they fasted and sought God and they prayed and they said, oh God, you are our God. Will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that's coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah, that's praise. And their little ones, that's the children, their wives and their children. They all stood before the Lord and the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah. And it says uh, uh, he was a, a Levite. And, and the spirit of God said, listen, all of Judah inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the problems. Don't be afraid of how big they are. Don't be discouraged because of the great multitude. The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. So if you know that you're doing what God called you to do, he's got your back. Tell someone, God's got your back. As long as you're not doing your own thing. 
Okay, so tomorrow go down against them and surely they'll come up by the ascent of Ziz and you'll find them at the end of the brook. So God even knew where the enemy were. God ratted on them. He said, I'll tell you where to find them. How about that? I can tell you as a parent. The Lord has told me a lot of things about where to find my children and what they were up to. Remember, the Lord told them where to find them. God knows where the problem is. God knows where the real issue is. God knows what you're really facing. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground with all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. They bowed before the Lord, worshipping the Lord. And the Levites and the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Kohathites stood up and they praised the Lord with voices loud and high, strong praise. And they rose early in the morning and went into the wilderness of Tekoa. And they came out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe as prophets and you will prosper. They consulted with the people. Then he appointed those who should sing to the Lord, those who should praise the beauty of holiness. They went out before the army. This is the weirdest battle you've ever seen. They said, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord himself set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Zia, and they were defeated totally. And the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants, so they, they actually divided among one another, and they were totally routed. And when we came here, the place was shut down, very religious, no move of the spirit. All, what we did was break open the whole atmosphere. And one of the key ways we broke it open was with the worship. And that's why I brought Bruce with me. I knew we could never do what we were going to do if we didn't alter the worship atmosphere, if we didn't build an atmosphere where in heaven can come into earth. This is God's ordained way. Heaven enters earth through prayer and worship. If we want heaven to engage earth, prayer and worship, there's no, that's God's pattern. I must believe that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So I didn't know what to do. We just prayed. I just got every day and we prayed and uh, we got rid of the organ. We got rid of everything that was not helpful. <laughs> and Bruce got going and I had Duncan here with me with his trumpet. I even played the accordion sometimes. We made a, a noise. We changed throughout the old songs, got in the new song, got the new sound in the church. And we started to just really preach. Some nights I had as many as two people. And I preach like this 2,000. It doesn't really matter. It's unto the Lord. And we started to get a move of God. God just broke out on the church. Suddenly, suddenly, the Spirit of God broke out and we started to get a move of God. Then they couldn't keep them away. They came from everywhere. Some were angry at us and some were just curious and some came and they joined with us and became part of the building. And then the church grew, just rapidly grew, filled up the whole building, filled in the rest of the building. Then we had to go out and go to girls' high school. We went to girls' high school. We could make a noise that was heard all over the whole block. We were just, we were called the Wildlife Center. It was so wild and so noisy. God was in the house. I have never had such a wonderful time in my whole life as that season there. And it was absolutely wild. I had no reference point for it. We had a move of God. We've had other moves of God. But we were called as a church to make a difference in the city, to shift the spiritual atmosphere. And uh, we initiated lots of different things, which subsequently other churches started to do. In other words, we were the pioneers. That's what makes an apostolic church. You alter the spiritual atmosphere through prayer and worship and preaching of the word of God, and you begin to see moves of God. That's what we're looking to see. That's what we need to see. The danger for this generation is you draw back to the comfort of what's been achieved and don't press in for the new things God has for us. We're in a new day. New, new people need to arise. New ones need to step up and start to move. So you've got to learn how to be a warrior, a soldier, as well as a worshiper. 
So you say, well, I, I'm nice. I like to be in the worship team, sing nice songs. I'm going to be a soldier. Don't make me a soldier. I'm not a soldier. Now listen, that, you've got no choice. You are one whether you like it or not. It, the only question is whether you're a winning soldier or a defeated soldier that's all cut up. That's really the only difference. You either learn how to win or you go under. And so it just happens to be that the kind of ministry I have, I'm into it with demons all the time. It just, I didn't ask for that. It just broke out into the church and it was all on. And we never stopped, never looked back. So we have people getting separated. We'll be having a freedom retreat coming up soon. You'll see it all in the open then. You'll see demons start to come out of people. If you've never seen it before, you'll see it then. Maybe even you. Because it's a real issue. This is what the church does. The church is called. Jesus said, when you see me cast out demons by the Spirit of God, the kingdom of heaven has come on earth. Another kingdom has invaded and uncovered what's hidden. There are lots of stuff hidden. And God uncovers it, see? Okay then, so here's some key principles in the battle. So you notice, this is the weirdest battle in history. They're overwhelmed. Now you imagine this. They're overwhelmed and they send their little army out to face the big, big army. And instead of having the little army at the front, they have the worship team at the front. Now if you're on the worship team, you won't be happy about that. But that was God's strategy. God has his own way of doing stuff. It's not like what we think. So he says, the worship goes first. In the, in the order of the tribes, he said the tribe of Judah will go up to the battle first. Judah means praise. So the principle is very clear. When it comes to going up, when there's problems, praise and worship is where it starts. So the team has got to be in good shape. So you think about, if you were the enemy, what part of the church would you want to attack? Where would you go for? Man, you've only got to nail a church in about five places and you've got it under. The first place I go for is the worship. Because if you can defile the leader of worship, if you can create disunity in the team, you stop heaven invading earth and the whole church is affected. And you put everyone under stress. If you can cause an overwhelming of the worship team, you will alter the atmosphere and environment of the church. And that will ultimately lead to its diminishing. Because when there's life, people come. People come, presence of God touches them. They're crying. Why am I crying? I don't know. I'm telling you why you're crying. God is here. We want services where God is here. Where heaven opens up and the presence of God comes. And people cry and they get set free. And they hear prophetic words. They go away with vision in their heart. That's what we're here for. It's not about you. It's about the work of God. You say amen? Okay, all right, better move on. I'm going to run out of time on this. Okay, so God uses, God uses, uh, uses worship and spiritual warfare to change spiritual atmospheres. So God uses the worship to shift the atmosphere. That's why if you get real worship going, then the atmosphere shifts. People come in, you know what? They get happy immediately. They walk in the door. Or they cry immediately. Hello, how are you? <laughs> Young man. It's your mummy over there. Okay then, so, right, so let me just ask the question, what is an atmosphere? What is an atmosphere? You need to understand these things to understand what you're doing. Uh, you've got to look past just a group of songs and you do your bit and someone preaches and so on. You've got to get right past all of that and see this. You're building an atmosphere for God to move. So what is an atmosphere? An atmosphere is the surrounding environment or influence. 
An atmosphere is just the environment that surrounds you and affects you. So naturally, a natural atmosphere, you can have a, a, a natural atmosphere, you can have a spiritual atmosphere. And atmospheres are built or developed intentionally. See, So uh, an example of atmosphere, think about this, a romantic atmosphere. Oh, I like that. But it doesn't just happen. Guys, you need to know there's no such thing as just happening. Yeah. You build it. Yeah. You put the candles, the music down, music, nice music. Lights down, candles, nice meal. That's how you do it. Soft words, romance. Come on. Some of you don't know what. Uh, what? You, you build it. You actually have to build it. And when you build a romantic atmosphere, there's a corresponding response to anyone in it. Ooh. You can build a tender atmosphere. You can build an energetic atmosphere. All kind of that. The atmosphere can be hostile. You walk in, you feel, oh my God, what's that? It's <laughs> yeah. aggressive and tense. I've got to get out of here quick. Something's going on. <laughs> yeah, you can build an, a fearful atmosphere. You get around some people and they're so uptight. You feel uptight immediately. Right? You feel uncomfortable. I've got to get out of here. I can't stand it. It's sucking the life out of me. Yeah. That's, well, it's true. You all know that. You go to some people's place. Oh my God, some, it's great. They hug you as you come in the door. Others, yes. You think, I think I got the wrong house. I changed my mind. Please don't ask me in. Because it's heavy and tense. You can have a polluted atmosphere. You don't even see the polluted atmosphere, mostly. You just choke. Why am I, why am I coughing? What's the atmosphere? You can't see it, but you're sucking it in and it's destroying your lungs. So, so that's a natural atmosphere. So you can have natural atmosphere. You have spiritual atmospheres as well. So spiritual atmosphere, the surrounding spiritual environment uh, is filled with something influencing people. So spiritual atmospheres can be very negative or they can be very positive. They can be demonically charged. Spiritual atmospheres can be full of demonic spirits. If you've ever been a crowd that's rioting, you feel the spirit. Yeah, that's right. You can literally feel it sucking on you to get in and throw a rock as well. It's just <laughs> unbelievable. It is. It's, that's why people get caught up in it. Then afterwards, I think, what did I do? What came over me? Mm. A spirit came over you. It affected your thoughts and your emotions, and you just went with it. And you think, my God, I shouldn't have done that. That's often what happens. So it can be demonic. A demonic atmosphere creates heaviness, fear, anxiety, anger. Control, hopelessness, heaviness, depression. I had someone text me yesterday for another country. And as they were texting, I thought, oh, my goodness, you, you, you're, you're overwhelmed. You're in a demonic prison. I just said, I'm going to call you. Sure enough, they're in a demonic prison. How did that happen? Oh, it's just some dumb things people did in church. Accusations, and then it wasn't handled well, and it just got worse and worse and worse, and then they were overwhelmed. Ended up, I said, I said, I've told you before, you are currently experiencing a season of Jezebelic attack on the church. If you don't fight this thing, you will find yourself in this kind of place. So anyway, I helped her get out of it and prayed for her, and she's just totally different. She said, I slept for the first time in three weeks. How about that? That's real. This is stuff I'm doing all the time. This is very real. Ah, okay, so that's caught by the presence of activity of demons. They, they create an atmosphere. But the Holy Spirit comes. Oh, man. Oh, man. When the Holy Spirit fills the atmosphere, it is so different. What happens? There's a huge liberty. People just cry and cry and cry. They can't stop crying. 
and they were holding it all together before. Now they're just sobbing and snotting on the floor, just like that. You know, they just all the everything's gone. They're just in te- just, and it can be just because he loves me. So I think I'm loved. Yeah. It can be just like that, you know, yeah. or you know, or it can be tremendous joy, and you're rolling around. You can't stop laughing. You're laughing and laughing. Everything you see makes you laugh some more. People kind of. I've had the atmosphere here at times so filled with joy. We used to have a sports center out the back, and you can't believe this sports center. They get these girls doing sports. They're aggressive. They are aggressive. You get girls in sports, mate. Don't stand in their way. They're they're out to win. You're in the way. You're gone. See? Well, that's what it's like in there. Well, we had a move of God in here. There's great joy in here. Guess what happens? The joy broke out next door. The atmosphere was so strong, the presence of God, it flowed over to the next room and they began to laugh and they began to, they began to laugh so much the whole game couldn't keep going. Everyone's laughing too much. Every mistake they make, they just, they just fell over laughing at what was going on. But it's the atmosphere. It's the atmosphere of God's Spirit. Oh, how to long for the atmosphere of God's Spirit. His presence, His glory coming. Oh, Oh, the more you taste, the more you want. And that's what we're called to do is create that kind of atmosphere. Eh? And, the, and that's a spiritual atmosphere. And so, you know, the atmosphere of God can be there, can be a healing anointing to heal people. And suddenly people get healed all over the place. It can be there for miracles. Suddenly miracles happen. It can be there for deliverance. Suddenly people start screaming. They do. I, I, I love those meetings. I just love them. I've been in so many of them. We're suddenly in a moment of time God came. And then the atmosphere changed. And there wasn't a sweet Jesus, I love you, Jesus meeting. It was a wild warfare meeting where people are shouting and screaming. Demons of anesthesia, people being delivered. It's wonderful. I love it. We're made for that stuff. But then the glory comes and God touches you and he brings you out to it, out to it on the ground and you're starting to see into heaven and having encounters with him. Oh my goodness, that's the atmosphere we want here. But you've got to fight for it. It doesn't just come. You've got demons pushed back to stop you uniting, stop you working together, stop the flow of the Spirit, stop anything, anything to stop God coming because he knows if God comes, people get changed. See, it's never about having a service, it's about having God. Hmm? Okay, so second thing then, so then our warfare is against invisible spirit beings. In Ephesians 6.12 it tells us we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Our warfare is against principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness age, spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. So un- uh, spirits, invisible spirits, you can't see them, but they're there and they afflict people. And they, they afflict people's mind. They feel filled with thoughts. They get obsessive thoughts, affects their emotions. They get obs- uh, terrible emotions. I'm so hurt. Reject. feel rejected. You know, they get distorted thinking, distorted view, all that kind of stuff. It's just so common. They, they, they affect their relationships. They affect the, the, the ability to work together, all of that kind of stuff. You have a look at what's going on. Behind these things that are going on, there's these hidden spirits. And they remain hidden so you don't know what you're fighting. Then you end up fighting one another. Yeah, people, you know, fight. our battle's not against people. We don't love people and fight the devil. Yeah. End up fighting people and forgetting the devil. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Get head clear what the battle is. The battle's never against flesh and blood, never against people. It's about learning how to, how to relate and love people. So, so demons work together and they're, 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 they're there to, to, um, to, to resist you and to overcome you. Another thing about uh, demons is that they resist the kingdom of God manifesting. So all the things that God has reserved for us, you don't have to persuade God to give them. You have to push through the resistance in the spirit world to them manifesting. Now that's a different thinking. If you think you've got to persuade God to give you something because he's mean in a holdout or because you're not good enough, you're in the wrong playing field. You're in the devil's playing field. 
God is good. God loves you. God's made the provision. The problem is the devil pushes back to fill you with doubt, to fill you with fear, to overwhelm you, to discourage you. He withholds things happening. So in Daniel 10, Daniel had a, had a season 21 days in fasting and prayer. Finally had an angel break through and he received revelation that released a nation. In other words, it was a national breakthrough. But what happened for 21 days? 21 days he had hell. It says on day one when he asked, then the angel was released. Well, what happened to the angel? Get lost. No, he said there was a war went on and I found myself fighting strong principalities who were resisting God's plan manifesting on the earth. And so there was a battle in the spirit world. It took place over the 21 days you maintained your prayer and fasting and then there was a breakthrough because you maintained your prayer and fasting. How about that? So the Bible, here's, here's, do you want some good news? The Bible says in the last days, there'd be even more demons unleashed upon the earth. The battle is going to get even worse. So if you're living in the last days, there'll be times of immense change and there'll be also great demonic influences on the earth. You've got to learn to fight. You've got to learn to stand up. You can't play the same game. We've got to have a different game. We've got to move forward. So the Bible tells us very clearly, Jesus has all authority and power. Matthew 28, 18, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. So Jesus got the power. How do we get the power? Well, the thing is, he gives you responsibility for the earth. So... He'll never interfere unless someone prays and stretches out their faith. He won't get involved. He doesn't get involved because you need. He gets involved because you believe. So to believe, you've got to find what God says in his word. I believe this is what God does. I'm holding this out. So the more we can pray, uh, we can build an atmosphere of worship and hold the word of God and create the environment. So God gave you the responsibility. You build the environment on the earth. I'll come and dwell on it. And if you do it the way I want it done, I'll fill it. If you do it your own way and do your own thing, I won't. Because he's in charge, you do it his way. Of course, we live in a democracy. We all got our own way of doing it. I like this. I like that. So we've got to learn how to deal with that. So we have to submit to God's strategies if we want to win. God has a strategy for every situation. We must learn to submit to his strategies. Now, if you go through the Bible, you find that God constantly gave people strategies. What's a strategy? It's a plan. It's a plan someone put together to get the win. You know, the team all gets together, have a huddle, and the coach gets there. Here's the strategy. You go for that one. I'll go for that one. This one, go for this one. Now, take a break right through there. And, and, and they've all got the strategy. Yeah, yeah, woo! You know, and away they go. We need a bit more of that in church. In trouble is everyone's got their own plan. That's really what the problem is. Imagine a team. You're out there in sports. And you get all the heads down. The coach comes in. This morning, what do you do? Oh, no, I want to do this. Someone says, no, no, I don't like that. I want to do this. Well, you know, it's game over right there. It's game over. No matter what you do when you go out, it's not going to work. Because there's no united strategy. There's no flow of strategy. So strategy is a plan for winning a war or winning a game. Now, all of you, you've all been in teams and things. You follow the, the leader's strategy. Even if you think it's the wrong strategy, you still follow the leader's strategy. You don't follow your own strategy. But in church, it's different. Everyone thinks they want to follow their own one. It's called sin. Everyone has gone their own way and gone astray. So we've got to learn to follow the strategy. So in this battle, God gave him a strategy. Now, if you were, now, and suppose you're a mighty man of war and you're surrounded by enemies and the leader comes and said, now here's the plan. The worship team are going out first. You're thinking, what kind of 
flippant plan is that? <laughs> They'll be massacred. They haven't got any swords even. What the heck? I've never heard of such a plan. Come on, this, come on. Put yourself in the picture and see what you would think. So if you think that way, just shut up. Just follow the plan. <laughs> Apparently the plan came from God and it was a great plan because it won the victory. What, here's another great plan. So Joshua, Joshua goes, he meets the Lord, says, are you on my side or are you against me? He says, neither, I'm the charge. Oh, so he falls down. And, and you've got to remember, God's not for us against us, he's in charge. So therefore you surrender, you get on your knees, say, God, what's the plan? And he said, I want you to take that big city, the hardest one, that's your first one. And everything in it's going to belong to me. It's going to be dedicated to me. And uh, if, you, if you'll do that, then the rest will all be easy for you. He said, what's the plan? And the plan of the, the city had massive walls. The city surrounded by these huge walls. You could drive chariots around on the thing. It was a huge thing. He said, here's the plan. Get the team out. What team? Oh, the priests carrying the ark. And they're going to carry the ark. And then behind them, the trumpeters. What about the soldiers? Where are they? Uh, in the back. <laughs> what kind of plan is that? Walk around the city. Okay, when do we charge the gates? No, no, no charging the gates. You walk around the city. Well, can we shout or do something? No, no, silent. Because I know if I let you talk, you'll all be critical of the plan, the strategy. And so seven days they went around. He said, now on day seven, you go around seven times. So now they've gone, they've gone six days. And everyone's thinking, what the hell kind of plan is this? All they're seeing is how big the walls are. But in that period of time, they're learning to yield to God. Yield to God. Yield my will to his will. Learn to flow with him. And then he said, now on the seventh day, on the seventh time, I want everyone to shout. Shout. What kind of plan is that? No, no, shout. And he said, I want the priests to blow the trumpets. Okay. Okay, it's God's plan. We'll do that. See? And so they did it. And the most remarkable thing happened. The power of God was released because it was God's plan. God backs up his plan, apparently. It doesn't necessarily back up your plan. A lot of Christians make a plan. They say, God bless my plan. Well, you really are kidding. Why would God bless your plan? You didn't even, you didn't even consult him when you made it up. You just come up with your plan. That's the problem. You just want God to bless it. Hey, listen, God's not some sugar daddy or something in the sky, you know. not going to just suddenly come here and bless my plan. You submit your life and your plans to the Lord, then your plans are established. You do make plans, but you've got to lean into the Lord with your plans and let him change them and adjust them and correct them or whatever. Come on, this is about him being in charge, not you being in charge. And what's all about? And apparently it worked, this crazy plan, because there was such an earthquake, the walls fell down and they could just run straight up over the walls into the city and took the whole city. See, so there's certain things. So there's, there's lots of places in the Bible of these kinds of stories, but they all come down the same thing. The battle is not against something natural. It's always spiritual. Jesus is in charge and he has a plan. Follow his plan. Can I tell you one more story? I'll tell you one more story. You got, I remember as a young Christian, and my grandmother got really upset because I left the Catholic Church and started to go to a Pentecostal church. And she was really upset with the whole deal. So 
Anyway, she was so offended she wouldn't come back to our place. Never came back. And uh, anyway, it was her birthday. I thought, I must give her a nice present for her birthday. Really, well, I'm a granny. I want to try and... So anyway, the birthday came. I got really busy and I forgot. And two days afterwards, <gasps> oh, no, I forgot the birthday. No, no. I said, God, help me. I went down the street and I got to buy a gift. So I got to buy a gift. I'm thinking, big gift, big gift. Big, big problem, big gift. That's what I got my plan. Big gift, big gift. So as I'm going down, I saw this little book, Christian bookshop. I don't like Christian bookshops much. Anyway, the Lord's probably go in. I went in and I wandered around and I saw this little wee picture. That's all it was, a picture of the shepherd with the sheep. And the, and I, the Lord said, get that. I said, no, no, this. I need to get something big. This is a big problem. I need to get something big. So I went away looking for something big. I couldn't find anything big. I came back and I thought, oh, what the heck? I just need to do what God says. So I went in and got the thing. I thought, it still felt too small. I got something else as well. So anyway, I put them all in a bundle about with a little letter and say, happy birthday, sorry, Mr. Day, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I get to see her a little while later. And I said, how'd you get on? Did you get my gift? She said, yes. I'm curious as heck to see what happened. I said, she showed us a lovely, said, lovely, lovely dried flowers and things you gave me. I thought, what about that little card with the shepherd? And I said, did you get the card? Of course you got the card. She got the whole, you know, but I'm just fishing, you know, which is what people do when they're, fish so I was fishing for a response and anyway this is what happened she said oh yes when you gave me that card I looked at it and she said you know what she said I was amazed I was stunned she said it took me back 70 years to when I was nine years old and we got offside with a teacher and we decided we'd buy her a gift to make it right with her and we bought her that card that picture and I'm thinking I'm thinking buy big God says follow my plan I know stuff God knows stuff just wants you to trust him okay hey, you're enjoying all this this kind of following the battle plan I say go follow that now here's the thing about this so so it to God has a strategy but we, we have to be spiritually sensitive so that's why your personal life is important you've got to be sensitive to what God is doing sensitive to the flowing of his spirit sensitive to his strategies and that means you've got to quickly respond I've been in churches they look so good a lot of young people sharp looking bright some blondes with long legs, everyone dressed up looking great. But goodness me, they didn't have a clue. Mm. They played nice songs. I mean, it was great music and stuff. But when it came to God moving, they didn't have a clue what to do. Mm. I said, what on earth are you doing? You don't know your business. Mm. Really? I said, listen, we have had such a breakthrough. We need a song of joy. What that means is I need a song that's got a beat to it that everyone want to jump and dance. Now, I mean, you know, some songs make you want to dance. You get going. Others, there's nothing. They come up with a song that had nothing. I thought, what the heck? See, so God is wanting to bring a move of joy that really finishes off the day, and they can't come up with a song. So you haven't been trained. You don't know what your business is. You've got to be able to come up with a song on command. Not, oh, we didn't practice that one this week. Okay. <laughs> That's not good enough for moving in the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Moving in the spirit means you've got to be able to be flexible and flow. Yeah. 
So now, now if, you, if your skill's not up there, that's okay. Just commit to growing so you can then catch up and play the right chord once in a while. You know, get, you, know you work your way up, you know. If you can't play the song, then at least jump up and down and dance. Get into it anyway, you know, something. But this is what it's about. So you've got to come up with the right song, you know. And, so, and the energy level. If, what if it needs a warfare song? Oh, my goodness. I've gone into some churches to do deliverance. And I said, no, we need a strong song. And they come up with a Dear Jesus Loves Me song. And what the heck is that? <laughs> what is that? Yeah. that? That's nothing to do with warfare. I need a mighty strong song. Praise the name of Jesus. Or there's power in the blood. You should be building an atmosphere. Amen. You need to know your business. Yeah. It's not songs. It's building atmospheres. Yeah. You use the songs to get the atmosphere. Yeah. You don't get the atmosphere. It's a useless song. Because well, I'm not interested in all your songs. I'm interested in having God move and see the atmosphere, see the breakthrough. So you're either helping or you're holding me all back. Some churches, I just said, guys, go sit down. Get in the altar call. Come up. You all need deliverance anyway. You know? It's true. It's true. God. You can't believe some of the stuff I've seen there. So there's a strategy. It means you can quickly respond. So if suddenly God's moving in a certain direction, you've got to be able to move that way. That means you're sensitive. You're not in a service. You're in a flow. You've got to be sensitive. Sensitivity is developed by your personal responses to God through the week. So Jeff Hosovat submitted to the strategy. He let God give him the strategy and he said yes to the strategy. Got, so there's always a flow for every meeting, what God wants to do. He had one last week, you know. He came up to me and he said, you know, I'm just feeling the Holy Ghost speak to me about having an altar call. And I felt in the spirit, yes, yes, yes. That'll be a great, let's do that. Yeah. So we're all in agreement, do that. Mm. So he didn't do what you wanted. She comes, I'm feeling God talk about it. We feel the flow, God's on that. Yeah. All the people come and get saved. Mm. Yeah. I could have gone, no, I've got to preach my word. <laughs> It's not about me. It's about what God is doing. It's always about what God is doing. And if you keep it about what God is doing, then you're going to be okay. You just reflect with what God is doing. He got the plan. The plan today is we have an altar call straight after the worship. Great. I go in some churches. That's the way they do it every week. How about that? So here's the thing then about strategy. So strategy is the plan, the God plan. Okay. All right. Now here's the next thing about the strategy. Strategy flows through a chain of command. Now, this, the next couple of things I'm going to share with you are really important. So just really listen. In. Strategy always flows through a chain of command. What's a chain of command? Chain of command is an intentional structure ensuring every task has one person responsible. Every task, every task got one person responsible. It's an intentional structure. In other words, it's a way of organizing so that you can communicate direction down line from one person to another. It's, it's an organization that enables you to implement a strategy. So a person has got the strategy, everyone is aligned under them, and they follow the strategy they're getting. Strategy flows from the top. See? And it's an intentional structure where every person is accountable to someone over them. So it goes two ways. It goes up and it goes down. So if you're in a chain of command, it's a way of organizing so instructions or strategies can be communicated to everyone and everyone is accountable to someone over them. So if you go giving instructions sideways, you muck the whole place up. 
You, you just can't do that. You, you've got to understand someone is over me. So wherever I go, I always find who's over me. Because if I don't find who's over me, I'm doing my own thing. So no matter where I am, I respect God's chain of command. And God, God's chain of command, he's organized. The husband's the head of the family. That's how it is. You say, well, he's hopeless. May well be, but he's a hopeless head. <laughs> he's still the head. You cannot, cannot bypass it without a problem. You see, so there's always a chain of command. You've got to follow the instructions. And, when you, and that's what military do. In military, it's really important you know who's alongside you and who's over you and that the people alongside you are still there when the battle's going. You run away! And that's not going to be good. And that's bad when you run away. Your mate runs away. Leaves you burdened and alone there in the middle of the battle. So that's a chain of command. And so the whole church is organized under a chain of command. God has set first apostles, then prophets, then teachers, and so on goes down. You've got the list of them all there. So in other words, it doesn't say one's more important than the other. What it's just saying is there's a rank for the strategy. So God will always give his strategy to apostles and prophets. And so it flows down through the church. And so you've got to find the strategy. You know, the, the, music, the worship team's divided up into different groups that have different functions, and then it always has a leader. The leader, ultimately, are the senior pastors. So the, whoever's the senior pastor is over everything in the church. All positions come from them. So therefore, all positions report to them, and all positions need to follow the strategy and be aligned with them. That's how it works. Yeah. This is like a team. You know, you're the team. Everyone's got to play their part. You know, you, you need to play in a rugby team. You know, it's the halfback gives some instructions. Follow the halfback when it comes to the scrums, you know. Otherwise, you're in tr- you can't be the wing and say, hey, right over here, you know. You, got to, you can't just go doing your own thing with your own ideas. So God has got it organized. And every role in the church has been delegated a responsibility with an authority and a place to function. And they're, they're reporting and they're accountable to the person over them. That means you give a round trip. If you've got an instruction, you report back. So this is what happened. You're never on your own. You're always part of something bigger than you. And that's what keeps you safe is knowing where you stand. So every person then has to be aligned. And this is where the biggest problem in a church comes. That's why the Bible says we all like sheep have gone astray. Sheep just run everywhere. They run all over the place. And then someone goes, ah! they all follow that one. Doesn't matter whether they're the leader or not. I saw a picture the other day, a little clip someone sent me. They're following a flipping donkey down the road. Hundreds and hundreds of sheep following a mule down the road and thinking, what went wrong there? Where's he taking them? He's a mule for goodness sake. You know where he's going. And a lot of people are following a mule. That's true. So we need to be aligned. So what does it mean to be aligned? It means you place yourself or position yourself with the team in the purpose. You join with others to get the job done. That's what alignment means. You, you, you position yourself as a, in, the, in the place in the team you're supposed to play. So if you're the halfback, you don't decide, I'm too, this is too hard for me. I'm going back to the fullback place. The fullback <laughs> say, what are you doing here? You belong up there. You say, no, I like this place back here. I want to play back here. So well, we can't have both of us back here. You need to be up there where you're supposed to be. Now, you all understand that naturally. You've got to understand it works like that in a church. You've all got to hold your place. You've got to be aligned. So to be aligned means pick up the values, pick up the flow, pick up and find where you fit, and then stay where you fit until God shifts you to a different place. And if he, if he wants you in one place for the rest of your life, that's okay. I mean, when I was in Danny Burke, I, had to, had to, I came to a place just submitting, God, this is what you want me for the rest of my life. I'm okay with that. I'll just stay here. 
I'm happy to serve you. I so love you. I want, want what you want. And he never left me there. And when he came to get me out of there, I wouldn't go. I, I cried. No, don't take me away. I like it here. I, I, it's understand, you got, wherever you're placed, don't think about your next placement. Just fulfill the one you've got until it becomes obvious you're too good to keep there. And if God wants you to stay there, we just stay there because it's okay. I'm not looking for something else. I'm looking to please God. Amen. If it pleases Him for me to be here, I'm, I'm happy to do that. Mm. If it pleases me to, Him to, for me to die to the faith, well, that's what's going to happen. If it pleases Him, I want to please Him. That's the goal. You know the idea? So, so every person must yield, learn how to hold rank. So this is called, in, in an army, you have, you have a rank. Like a rank is just a row of people all lined up. So you have a thing like you, you've got to hold your rank. To hold your rank means you walk in unity with everyone else. So if you've got a group of soldiers in a rank, they just all move forward like that. They, they move together. They move in unity. They move as one. They move, it's a military formation. So to hold your rank means to hold your position even if the pressure's on. In other words, don't ring up because you've got a snivel on Sunday morning and say, <laughs> I can't make it to church. Oh, that's just, that's not holding your rank. Yeah. That's being just a sissy. <laughs> now, if you've got a genuine segment, that's a bit different, of course, but most people just sissies. <laughs> they are. It takes so little to stop them. Yeah. Someone hurt me. Yeah. Really? Put on the big girl's britches and grow up and forgive them and get on with it. You know, it's just like, come on, this is the problem. How can we build something great if people are so small? Yeah. Yeah. See, so to, to break rank. So the whole rank means you flow with everyone else. Where everyone else is going, they're flowing. So, for example, if the worship leader gives a signal, we're going this way, you don't sort of think, well, wait a minute. I, I think we should go that way. Now, listen, that, it's not your role to do that. They're leading. You just follow. And if you won't break rank, if everyone will follow, even if they got it wrong, it'll become right because you all followed. But if you have that, suddenly everything you're doing goes quiet. There's a dull spot and the person's out there, go this way. And there's no one following them. Because you all worked it out in your head. It's not right. We should be doing that. It doesn't matter whether, if you'll flow in unity, God will bless it. And then it becomes right. <sighs> So, so we've got a whole rank. So the Bible tells us, you know, David's men, you had a whole rank. Yeah. To break rank means you just either disagree openly or you passively disagree and resist the direction. Oh, I better say that one again. I think someone didn't quite hear that. If you break rank, it means you disagree openly or privately become resistant. That's breaking rank. It's resisting. So David had mighty men, and they didn't start off great mighty men. They started off a hopeless bunch, to tell the truth. It says they were distressed in debt, and they were really they were in big trouble. They were just a pack of losers. They joined with someone who was mighty, and the anointing on him came on them, and they became mighty men. It says they did not break rank. The end time army in Joel chapter 2 will not break rank. This is really important. So we've got to learn to yield. To yield means you don't break rank. You yield and let someone lead you. So in the, in, the, in, the, in the worship team, always the senior pastor is the worship leader. So whatever's happening, they can pick it up and any time take over. Yeah. Now, if you're the worship leader and the senior pastor steps up to take over, don't get huffy. <laughs> you only have a delegated position. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that means while they let you do it, you do it. And when they say no, then you don't. You step back. That's called holding rank. 
You know where you fit. You know your place in the presence of authority. Yeah. You've got to learn those things. And then, you know, if you, you know when to step back. It's okay. And they'll lead it where they want to lead it. And that, and you just, your job is not to judge it, criticize or anything. Your job is just to pray for them and flow with it. Yeah. And if you flow with it, God will bless it. Awesome. Oh. So, it, 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 so whenever you yield to someone's leadership, oh, see, we're called to yield, yield to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And then that's a decision to live a life which is led by the Spirit and guided by the Word of God. But God puts people in our life and you've got to learn to yield and flow with them. So one of the biggest lessons to learn how to yield under a leader. You know, many people look and you get familiar with the leader. Oh, I know them. Oh. And you start to judge them and then you can't receive. You can't be led by them. You're the problem. It's, it's, you can't have that kind of thing. We've got to get rid of all of that kind of immaturity out of the team, become, hey, listen, when we get up, we all know what we're looking for. We're looking for God to move. We want God to move. We will come prepared. We'll come prayed up and then we'll flow together. We'll do the very best we can with what skills we've got, and level we're at to grow our skill and level, and we will flow with the team leader. And the team leader comes up and begins to flow. The team leader, uh, whoever's leading the worship, would always flow with what the senior leader is saying. They should always run it by them. Check it out. Is this okay? Uh, I've prayed. This is what I felt in my spirit. Do you have anything God's showing you? Is there anything you want to change or anything particular you want to do? Always like that. That's yielded. That's flexible. That's, yeah. uh, that's Holy Spirit stuff. Yeah. It's my list. I've been praying. I, I know what to do. Oh. Yeah. Well, away. Go out there on your own and see how it works out. You know, you can't do that. You've got 200, 400 people there looking for you to actually be under authority, not be a rebel and bring another spirit into the meeting. So you, you either present Jesus or you present your ego. Now, the big problem when you're in music and, and, and so on is because you have a gifting. And then the greater your gifting, the more problem you've got with your character. Because when no one knows you, it's just great to be on the stage. But when you get a bit good, oh, there's a problem right there. You've got to let your character be developed. So you have a character that's meek and humble and you learn how to yield, learn how to flow. And you're not, it's no ego in it at all. It's not about me. It's about Jesus, what he wants. Pastor says, I want this. Yes, sir. Because that's the person, you know, like God says this, he said, how can you say you love God you don't see and you can't love the person in front of you? Saying that loving the person in front of you shows where you're at with God. It's the same thing with being under authority. Oh, you're my Lord. I follow you. I just follow the Spirit. Yeah, right. Come on. It's more to it than that. Can I come under or follow the lead of someone else? That's what really shows it up. So everyone's got to flow in unity or in harmony. So flowing together as a team, you know your music, you know if someone plays a bum note. It just, man, it jars. <laughs> what note is that? You know, it just, it is so, it screeches. It just, oh, that wasn't a harmony. What was it? You're in another key. You know, you know that straight away. Well, the same thing happens with your spirit. If our spirits flow together, we're, we're not here to, there's no ego. And we're here to love Jesus, bring people into encounter with God, want to flow. And yeah, do people annoy you? Of course they annoy you. Get over it. Grow up. Yeah. Just forgive them and bless them and give grace to them. And the team, you've got some are old and some are young and some are new in the faith, some are older in the faith. But we're all in a journey together. So let's love one and help one another go forward. See? Yeah. And so when we flow like that into, in unity, then God releases the blessing and his power comes forth. So you see these sort of principles there very, very clearly of how the battle is against unseen spirits. And so therefore we need spiritual wisdom to deal with it. We see that Jesus is in charge and he has a strategy. We see he had a strategy for every situation. 
so therefore I must hear his strategy for a meeting, even for messages. I come up with any message. I've been around for years doing messages, but I don't want any message. It would it'd be terrible to do just a message. I've got to find what God wants. Even for this tonight, I had to find what God wanted. It took a long time to find what God wanted. It takes time and prayer. Then when you find it, oh, yes. <laughs> it's like that's how you live your life. It's just pleasing God. Yeah. Pleasing God. And so we see then that God has a strategy. And then uh, I shared the strategy with, uh, with Pastor Kate before the meeting. Just shared a little bit about it. So I asked her, first of all, where do you see the needs? What do you see as uh, a need in the team? We talked and we had some broad pictures of need. But then in the end, I've got to listen to God for it and then come with something to bring. So you see how God worked in that situation. The same strategy applied with Joshua's battle. The battle was spiritual. God was in charge. They got God's strategy. They yielded to God's strategy. They submitted and they, they held their rank and they all did what they were supposed to do together. And God gave them a great victory. You see that over and over in the Bible that it's the same way. It's a spiritual warfare. God is in charge. God has a strategy. Hear and seek him and find his strategy for every situation. Even David, with all his military experience, never went to a battle without asking God what to do. One day God said, go up this way. He went, they came back to have another go at him. God said, no, nah, I've got another way to go. And our tendency is we want to just follow a method rather than be soft and sensitive to the Holy Spirit and flowing as a team. Now, what I've shared is to shake you up that we can't just keep going. We want another level of God coming. It's about a kingdom and a kingdom has got order in it. It's got governance in it. It's not a hard thing. It's an easy thing. It's hard when you're not in his kingdom. In his kingdom, there's joy and peace because God's backing you up. Everything else is hard because now you're pushing your own thing and you're on your own and you know it. Now you've got to fight to hold your ground and defend yourself. You don't need all that stuff. It's all pride and it's the flesh. You need to come to the cross with it and say, God, I'm just here. I want to love you. I want to be a true worshiper. I want to learn to fight and overcome in my battles. I need to flow as a team member. And so the leader gives the lead. We follow the lead. And so whoever gets up on the stage, they need to be sensitive to the flow of the spirit and you should be working on some songs. If we need a war song, you've got to be able to come up with a war song. We need a joy song. Yeah, come on, let that joy flow. You need a happy song. It needs to be to dance, something you can run around the church with. A lot of songs aren't like that. They're not spirit songs. They're just songs that someone wrote because they want to make money. You want songs that can move people. A song that's very tender that touches the heart. Song that lifts up Jesus, song that centers on him. So now his glory starting to come because we just see him being honored and lifted up high and lifted up and honored and worthy. The language and the flow of the song will do something. And you've got to think that way. We're atmosphere builders and we follow the flow of the spirit. And if you can do that, you can start to commit to this year what's left of it to starting to grow those things in your life. We're going to see some shifts in the atmosphere in the church. When you come in, you've already built an atmosphere. You've come together, you've prayed together, you've built some new worship together, you start to bring the presence. You come and you've created something for people to come into. You're a servant ministry. The, the greatest privilege, one of the great privileges, they chose a whole tribe to just have this role to be the worshippers. David set these people. They were so important that when David set up the kingdom of, of uh, Israel, when he set up the kingdom in Jerusalem, the first thing he did was to set up the singers and the worshippers and the musicians. He set them up. They were so important. They all had ranks of them. They had orders of them and they put them in order and they played and God's presence came. And out of that, miracles happened. He never lost a battle. He won every battle. 
won every battle, never lost one. Only one he lost was internally when he got overcome with lust. But the other battles, he won them because God was with them. If God is with you, you're going to win. That's why I want God with us. So I've shared quite a bit tonight. I want to just challenge you just firstly in your own heart attitude. Are you a performer or a worshiper? If you know that actually it's all about me being seen and performing and so and it'll show up when you're on the platform because you'll be looking around smiling at people trying to get a response from them rather than overflowing with joy, letting your eyes and your heart and your countenance sparkle and that you encourage people to come up. See? If the only time you ever worship God and pray is when you're on a platform, you're not a true word, you're a performer. We've got to get performing out of our heart. And uh, that doesn't mean we don't have skill and develop skill. I'm not talking about that. Performance, remember, the difference performance and worship was about the motivation. Is it to please God and honor God and get the job done for Him? Or is it about me and what I think and want and how I feel? You, you, and, and we've got to remember now we're not just worshipers, also soldiers. So therefore, as soldiers, we then there's going to be some hardship you'll face. So you do face hardship. You face pressures come on you. Have you noticed how frequently they come before Sunday? Saturday. Yeah, come frequently on Saturdays. I used to have crises on Saturdays. I have all kinds of stuff on Saturdays. I hated Saturdays. <laughs> but I knew Sunday was coming. It would be good if I could keep myself in a good place. So th- this is the warfare you face. The warfare may be against things in your life. Maybe issues in your heart that need healing. Maybe issues in your attitude, issues in your character. Just... If you just stay walking with God, all those things will change. You stay in the life flow. You're not worried about the fact you've got shortcomings, but can someone speak into them? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. If someone can't speak into them without you getting, oh, I'll go and pray about that one. <laughs> oh, now listen, what kind of idiot are you? Someone who saw it told you and they told you the truth because they loved you. Now you're walking away to pray about it. Dear God. Yeah. That, that, that's just indicating you're resistant to correction. The Bible said the person who resists correction is an idiot. You go have a look through Proverbs about correction. Just go look through, do a study of Proverbs about correction. The wise man appreciates it because he becomes wiser. But the fool resists it and destroys He hates his own soul. So people who've got low esteem can't handle you telling them things. I just want you to tell me I'm beautiful. Don't say any negative things, please. But that's because you've got pride and you've got woundedness. You've got to sort that out. You've got to be able to, how can you grow if you want someone to say, listen, I believe on you. I'm committed to you. I see the best in you. I see what you could be, but I need to get some of these things shifted in your character and the way you're carrying on in relationships so we can get the best out of you. Yeah. That's what a coach does. Yeah. You want to be in a winning team? Man, those coaches are tough. Yeah. Man, those coaches are tough. If you only played in losing teams, you've got a losing coach. But you're playing a winning team, and they're hard on the team. They push on them to get the best out of them. Want the best out of you, eh? Come on, the best in you. You need someone to say, come on, bring the best out in me. Position yourself so it can happen. Don't be afraid of it. And if you've got hang-ups because you've been badly treated before, well, get over your hang-ups. Resolve them. Get some counsel. Get some help. Go to a retreat. Whatever. Get the help. Sort it out so that's not a problem for you going forward. So now we then present ourselves, God, we're true worshippers. God, we're going to develop a little bit of toughness, endure hardship. Oh, hardness, uh, because we want to please our Lord. 
And then we're going to actually give ourselves to flowing together in a whole new way. Man, I believe there's a great day ahead. Great times ahead. Great times ahead. Let's believe for it. And then if you, and a pastor wants to try new things, try new things. Just try new things. Don't be resistant. Try new things. And let the Holy Spirit bring you into freshness of stuff. Fresh things. God wants to bring you into fresh things. He wants to bring us into fresh things. Where the Judah goes up first, so whatever's happening, it happens with you first. So please, commit tonight to giving yourself to God in a fresh way. Build a fresh altar in your heart, fresh altar for God to move and say, God, I want to be fully part of what you're doing. I want to be a worshiper. I want to be a warrior. I want to be a worshiping warrior. I want to be strong and mighty. Nothing pushes me around. I've got some grit inside me. I want to be tender, soft worshiper and love you and just be there with you. I want to be like David, win those battles against the giants. And yet before the Lord, oh, one thing I desire that the Lord may seek after my, behold the beauty of the Lord. See, that's that tough and tender. They go together. You've got to be tough with the right things. And that's what God's looking for, to grow some strength into you and to grow also a tender heart into you. They're all heart issues now. And the things I've shared tonight are all heart issues. Praise the Lord. Father, just, just close your eyes right now. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for your presence here right now. And for those who listen to this message, I thank you there's people listening. That Lord, this is, God is speaking to you right now too about your heart attitude, about whether you're a worshiper or a performer. Are you doing this to be seen of people? Repent right now. Come before the Lord. Say, Lord, I, I've been looking for the affirmation of people. Lord, I repent of that. Lord, of that mixture in my heart. I come tonight, Lord, I, I give up looking and searching and seeking out the approval of man, the, the smiles of man, the, 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 to please people. I seek to please you in my heart today. I commit tonight to please you. Lord, I choose to believe your word. You are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. Lord, without faith, I can't please you. So I do choose to believe I'm a worshiper, I'm a warrior, and you are committed to grow me to become great at both. Tonight, I commit to that. Perhaps there's some area in your heart and, and uh, there's resistance to being led, resistance to anyone correcting you. Why don't you say, Holy Spirit, show me what is the cause of that resistance? Uh, what is the cause of that resistance in my heart to being led to being uh, corrected, to being guided, uh, to being given counsel. What is that? Where does that come from? Is that someone hurt me and I've been reacting? I'm still in reaction mode because I've never resolved it and forgiven. Is that because, Lord, I I'm really resistant in my heart because I've got a lot of pride in there? Lord, just, Lord, remove, give me, give me, Lord, change my heart. Create in me a meek and humble heart. Lord, create in me a meek and a humble heart because the meek will inherit the earth and those who humble themselves will be lifted up by God himself. Lord, create in me a pure and an upright heart, free of all mixture of agendas, just upright. What we see is what we get. Lord, create in me a wise and an understanding heart, Lord. So I understand your ways and, and, and I begin to learn how to walk with you in the things of God. Lord, create in me a faithful heart and a loyal heart. Lord, I want to be faithful in the little thing you've given me because so much of my eternal destiny rests on what I do now. Lord, tonight I just come and I present myself a living sacrifice before you. I want to encounter you, Lord. Here's a wonderful thing. Jesus himself was a worshiper. Jesus himself was a warrior. He developed the heart attitude of meekness and humility. And God has lifted him up. Some lifting up is done in this life. Some lifting up is done in the eternal kingdom. 
But if we will just position ourselves now, God will lift us up in due course. Lord, we just honor you right now. Why don't we just, we've got a few minutes left that we could just finish. Why don't we just perhaps get into a place back of worship again? And uh, what I'd like you to do is just stand up rather than be seated. But some of you right now need God speaking to you. Say, God, I really do need to repent. I need to let go some things in my heart. Maybe they're disappointments. Maybe there's things where I've been hurt and offended or knocked around. Or I realize that tonight you're speaking to me in a very deep way. Lord, I want to respond. Coming up to the front doesn't fix everything. Coming up the response up to the front is a decision to publicly say, God, I hear you talking to me and I'm making a response. So as I step forward and come to the front, I'm opening my life to experience your grace to change me. So if there's some of you tonight and you say, God, I want, I want to put things right. I want to get my heart right before you tonight. Perhaps for some of you, there's other things you're struggling with. You're struggling with uncleanness, very kind of things. You say, God, I really want you to help me tonight. Come, touch my life tonight. Why don't you come up to the front right here? Just make a row right here in front of me tonight. Just come, just make a row. Now, Father in heaven is looking for true worshippers. You're looking for warriors. You don't find them, you create them. They're made, they're formed through the journeys of life. Thank you, Lord. Just come, come, just worship him. Worship him right now. Just worship before him. You know what the issue is, what the area is. I just want to have a song right now that just exalts Jesus. That lifts him up very high. Because that's what our worship team is about, about lifting Jesus up. Perhaps you're new to the team and all the things I've sang tonight, and perhaps it's a bit much for you, but there'll be something God said to you tonight. You just felt in your heart that little thing, oh God, yeah, that's me. That, I, I just need to respond to that. Would you just come? It's not about me praying for you. It's about you presenting yourself to the Lord. The one who loves you. He died on the cross for you. He believes in you. He believes in you and He chose and guided you to a church you could become part of, people who would love you, a team you could belong to. Not just so you could do something, but so you could grow. Tonight, we commit ourselves to grow. Holy Spirit, come now as we begin to worship you. Now what I'd like is for someone, if your friend is standing up here, I'd like you to come and I'd like you to stand behind them and put your hand on their shoulder as a way of just saying, I'm with you in this. I'm with you in this. Maybe for some of you, I've been there. I'm with you in this. I understand somehow we can be overwhelmed. But Lord, I believe you can break through just like I broke through. Just come and stand. If you've got your friend up here, come and stand behind them and start to pray in the Spirit for them right now. And to you are all things, you deserve the glory. Come on, I begin to flow into that song now, see? Start to build the atmosphere, and then I'll lay hands on you. God will start to touch you. <laughs> 